Welcome, everybody, at another episode of the Wrestling vs. the World podcast. You're enjoying your day, sweet, if not, what the hell ever. So, WrestleMania 39 Night 1 is in the books now. I'm going to say this uh, before I get into the review. I don't know exactly when uh, my Night 2 review will happen. I have to work during that night, unfortunately. The latest the episode will be out will be Friday. Because there's no way I'm going to get it done Monday and Wednesday's got the next schedule episode. So the latest episode the episode will be out for Night 2 will be Friday. As long as I can just get on top of that. So just a big warning there. So let's kick off, go through what happened for Night 1. Right away, they're having The Miz and Snoop Dogg opening the show, and The Miz is boasting about his accomplishments and Snoop Dogg's, and he's saying, hey, Snoop Dogg, we're pretty much one and the same. Uh, Miz, unless you like to light one up every now and then, yeah, you and Snoop Dogg are nowhere near the same. So now we're going to get kicked off into the first match of the night. Austin Theory defending the United States Championship against John Cena. Austin Theory came down to Raw because John Cena was making his return. He's like, hey, you were my childhood hero. I want to challenge you. And Cena's just running down Theory on the mic saying that you don't deserve it. Nobody cares about you and all that shit. So it's Austin Theory's chance to probe somebody. Well, before John Cena's entrance, the stage had those Make-A-Wish kids out there to fulfill their dream of attending WrestleMania one day. So this is technically John Cena's first custom entrance in a way since I think WrestleMania 27 we had that choir up there. Otherwise his entrances have been nothing special up until now. Now when it comes to this match, it was fine. Not the most standout match, not Cena's best WrestleMania match. It just didn't, it felt like it didn't go too long and thankfully this match was not a finisher fest. Because we see that too many times as I'll get to later. At the end of the match, Cena tried to go for the AA, or AKA the old fuck you, but Theory was grabbing onto the ropes, and then Cena got back in the referee, so referee took a bump. STF got locked on to Theory, Theory tapped out, so referee did not see, and Cena thought, oh, I won, gets up, low blow by Theory, A town down, or whatever his finisher is, and Theory retains the United States Championship. So surprisingly, it only took one finisher to defeat John Cena. I mean, like I said, it's a fine match, just not the most standout-ish match out of Cena's time in WrestleMania. Now he gets to the next match, which I thought was going to be just completely pointless. The Tag Team Showcase match, Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus the Street Profits versus Alpha Academy versus the Viking Raiders. Now, I gotta admit, like I said, this match I thought was just going to be pointless because it's like, oh, it's a showcase. Unless it's going to lead to something, what's the point of having this match? They just wanted to get the crowd up and hyped and everything with the tag stuff. Kind of like the tag team stuff that we used to see with TNA back in the day. It's just like, hey, put these people together. Fast-paced high spots. Everybody get your shit in. But, I mean, this was a fine, like, an even better match than the opener. Even one of the most shocking moments earlier on was when Chad Gable had that O'Connor roll into a German suplex on Braun Strowman of all people. Holy crap. Cannot believe he was able to do that. Now, I can't remember which Viking Raider is which, because quite frankly, I don't care. Braun Strowman hit the hairy one with a top rope splash, which I think everybody was worried that Strowman was going to break the top rope because of the size of this guy. And you had one of the most impressive spots, a six-man, almost like a Tower of Doom of sorts, involving like crossbodies and superplexes and double electric chairs. Just six out of the eight men, just out of the corner. Later on, Strowman's going on a rampage. He's running a train, and not the kind that you're thinking of. 
Running around twice around the ring, but Angelo Dawkins stops him the second time through. Then we're down to the Street Profits and Ricochet being the legal men in the ring. Ricochet's trying that shooting star press. Dawkins gets his knees up, stops it. Frog splash by Ford off the other corner. And Street Profits win this tag team match. Will they get a shot at the tag team titles? Who knows? Otherwise, if this doesn't lead to a tag team title shot, then what's the point of this match? Now match numero trace. Seth freaking Rollins versus Logan Paul. I mean, this whole thing is supported because Seth Rollins is not a fan of Logan Paul, and quite frankly, he's not the only one. And Logan Paul's like, hey, you're talking shit, let's fight. Now, these two come up, came up with weird color schemes for their outfits. I mean, Logan Paul, he's coming down on a zip line, not as epic as Shawn Michaels, but he's wearing a yellow-blue-black attire combination, looking like uh, the Pokemon Minin. And then Seth Rollins, his it's a jacket that he was wearing, like his coat or whatever, made him look like a rose. And then his original, like, his top that he had underneath there before he took it off looked like he took Jeff Jarrett's old 1990, mid-90s out top that he used to wear back then before he dropped the whole country character gimmick and just dipped it in fucking Pepto-Bismol. And then his tights were all, like, red and pink, so he looked like a fucking shiny Genesect. I mean, I know it's a weird comparison, but that was the only red and pink China Pokemon color combination I could find. But, I mean, the athleticism was pretty impressive between these two. I mean, Logan even did a jump from the ring canvas to the top rope to hit a moonsault, but, of course, he missed because Seth got out of the way. But that is impressive. You don't see that many people able to jump that high. I think the last person we usually see doing that stuff is Sheldon Benjamin, if I remember. And the whole thing they're even trying to get over is that Logan Paul is knocking out Seth Rollins with his right hand because he's got a titanium screw in there. So Seth th thought smartly when they're each to the outside by hitting a stomp onto Logan Paul's right hand on the steel ring steps. And then afterwards, of course, Logan Paul gets a right hand on his set, but then he's got to sell the hand. He's like, oh, my hand hurts. And less impact might have helped Seth actually survive the punch. Well, one thing I almost forgot to mention was that there was a mascot coming down to the ring in a prime energy bottle. And as Seth was getting ready to go for the stomp, the prime energy bottle dude pulls Logan Paul out of the ring and reveals himself to be KSI. I was like, at first, right before the unveiling, I thought it was going to be Jake Paul, because that would have been even weirder, but KSI of all people? Like, I get it, they're business partners, but oh my god. So then KSI is being a distraction. They're pulling out the phone, it's like, oh, we're going to get this crazy moment, because Seth is laid out on the announce table, but then KSI gets pulled out of the table just as Seth, or Logan is on the top rope drinking his drink, and gets a frost splash to his own mascot, knocking out KSI. Ah, poor KSI there. And then Seth even gets a pedigree. That gets in your fall. Logan Paul even stops Seth Rollins from hitting the stomp and gets him with a GTS. Wow. Yeah, nice reference there. Logan gets up top, gets in your fall with the, the frog splash, and then he tries going for a coast-to-coast. -coast. But Seth meets him and made it move with the super kick, gets a stomp, and there goes Logan Paul. So Seth Rollins wins his first WrestleMania match since WrestleMania 35 because he lost the three prior ones. So it's nice to see him get back on track here. Now the fourth match. Six women tag team match. Lita and Be Becky Lynch, the women's tag team champions, team with Trish Stratus to go against Damage Control. Fun fact, this is Lita's first, like, second WrestleMania match ever, where she's actually a participant. Only other time being WrestleMania 18 when she was in the triple threat with Trish and Jazz. And they brought up on commentary that Trish's outfit is pretty much similar to the attire she wore at WrestleMania 21, the last time WrestleMania was in Hollywood. 
So, I mean, this was actually pretty fine. Also, overall, women's tag match. A lot of the matches you saw Damage Control isolating Becky and Lita when they were the legal women constant triple teaming and all that shit to try to keep Trish from getting the match. But when Trish gets in, she's trying to light a house of fire. You can tell there's some ring rust there. And one of the impressive moves, I think she calls it the stratosphere where she does her handstand and kind of gets her legs up to kind of be like a Frankenstein or a Hurricane Run or whatever and does it to Dakota Kai to send her on the outside all the way to the rest of the damage control on the floor. I mean, that was pretty nice. Then everybody's just fighting with each other in the ring. Bailey gets her finisher, I think they called it the Rose Planter or whatever, onto Becky and Lita breaks up the pin. The ladies are fighting and shit and EO also gets a big moonsault onto the outside when everybody gets out to the ringside area. I mean, that's pretty nice. And then you finally get all the six women right afterwards get back into the ring at the count of nine. And then we get to the finish. Twist of Fates by Lita. She hits a lead assault onto both Dakota Kai and Io at the same time. Bailey's trying to go for the Bailey to belly. But then instead, when they're on Brett's rope, nice reference there, manhandle slam to Bailey by Becky. And boom, the face women actually defeat Damage Control in this six-woman tag match. Like I said, very good overall Women's tag match, not the best match of the night. So far, the best match we've seen all night at this point just yet was Seth Logan, and that's kind of saying something there. Now he gets the next big match. Match number five, Rey Mysterio, the new WWE Hall of Famer, against his son, Dominic Mysterio. Everything had been deteriorating because, like, it was the whole thing of Dominic telling Rey not to retire. They were teaming. Then Dominic got brainwashed by Judgment Day, attacked his father, and then he's been talking shit about his dad ever since. Oh, you abandoned me. You're a Debbie father. Yada, yada, yada. Ray only finally accepted the match after Dominic told his mom to shut up right before WrestleMania. So it's like, hey, we're doing this. Now, I do like the entrances for both men here in a way because Dominic, he's getting brought into the arena in a please fan while still handcuffed. And he's got a, a mask similar to his father, Ray, and is being escorted by police through the audience until he gets to the ring. And then we get the even better entrance. Ray gets driven in a low rider, driven by Snoop Dogg, and they start out with playing Eddie Guerrero's music. Absolutely love that before then they changed, jumped over to Ray's music himself. And I think we were in my Discord server and everybody's wondering, like, who is Ray trying to dress up like as? Is he trying to look like Iron Man or Red Tornado? Because I thought he was trying to dress up like The Flash, but it's just like, no, he did that at WrestleMania 20, so... It's either Iron Man or the Red Tornado for this entire choice. But, I mean, this match, definitely more story-driven. Not as fast-paced as you would expect in a Lucha match, but this was pretty good also as well. Ray even got a great reaction. He pulled out a belt and started whipping Dominic's ass. He's like, hey, your son deserves it. And then, of course, Aaliyah and his Dominic's wife, Angie, are sitting there in the front row. They're like, yay, awesome. And Dominic's getting in their face. He takes his sister's drink and throws it in her face. And then Aaliyah's trying to jump the barricade. Ray's like, no, stay back there. And then Dominic's getting on offense there, too. So, I mean, it was kind of nice to see the family getting involved. And then once Eddie, or Dominic throws Ray back in the ring, he starts doing the Eddie strut on the apron and hits Eddie's signature Topecon helo to Ray in the ring. Yeah, you see a lot of Eddie references in this match. And then one of the most scary moments here. I don't know, like, Ray was okay because his mask was like a helmet in this match. So maybe he's trying to be like Iron Man. Ray charges at Dominic a bit later in the match. Dominic catches Ray and does that overhead alley-oop move. You know, that move that uh, Tori, not Tori Wilson, the other Tori that was with X-Pac and DX and everything. That move that she did for a finisher, 
well, that was then Ray and his head smacked off the bottom turnbuckle. Scary moment. Looks like Ray was alright. Ray stops later stops the three amigos by Dominic and gets a 6-1-9. But then also at the same time, Finn Balor and Damian Priest are there ringside for a distraction. So Ray can't hit the frog splash. But then you have the newly newly formed LWO getting in for the fight, trying to even things out. And Dominic even gets his own 6-1-9 frog splash to Ray, but Ray still survives this. Then you get to the finish. So Dominic distracts referee, gets rid of the top turnbuckle pad on one of the corners. So the referee is trying to put it back together. And then Damian Priest left his blazer in the ring because he was hiding a chain in there. And, Ray, and Dominic was about to use it, but then Bad Bunny, who was there at the Spanish commentary team, runs in, pulls the chain away. Then Ray capitalizes off that distraction by hitting 619 Frog Splash and pins Dominic and celebrates in the ring with his family. I mean, who knows if that's over based on the reaction that Dominic had, but overall, like I said, this was pretty damn good, especially with the story being told and the whole build and everything. Like, this was one of those matches that I was really looking forward to. I'd say it was pretty damn good. I like it. Now, match number six. This match, I, I'm torn between this and the main event. What was the, main, the best match of the night? But match number six, Charlotte Flair defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against Rhea Ripley. So, Rhea won the Royal Rumble match, started number one, won the whole thing, and set her own solo record now for the longest time spent in a single Royal Rumble match. I think she's now defeated Ray's record from 2006. And this whole thing was Rhea wanting revenge after what happened for her loss three years prior to Charlotte back at WrestleMania 36 for the NXT Women's Championship. And things, I gotta admit, this was like an insane match. I mean, it was very intense early on. Uh, it was either early on or a bit later after that. Uh, Rhea tried going for the Riptide, and Charlotte just flowed right through, slammed her with the DDT from your fall like that. Charlotte soon goes up top. She's trying to get for the Moonsault. Rhea runs up to Charlotte and gets an inside-out German suplex off the top rope to Charlotte in the ring near fall. Both women are trying to take each other to Suplex City. It's like, did Brock give them advice or try to put this match together? When was Brock and Agent saying, hey, just try German suplexing each other over and over? Like, my God. Well, you get to the outside. Charlotte gets Moonsault to Rhea on the outside. Awesome. And Charlotte almost spears the referee. Gets close there. Then Rhea hits a headbutt and a riptide onto Charlotte. Dangerously close near fall. And then Rhea, with the way she sold it, it was like a combination between how The Rock sold Stone Cold kicking out of the second rock bottom WrestleMania 19 and how Triple H sold Undertaker kicking out of the tomb, his own tombstone at WrestleMania 27. Just like, huh, shock and backing away into the ropes and everything. I mean, great selling there. You got to give credit to Rhea knowing how to do that. Then, uh, first time we've seen, I've seen this move done in a while, maybe because I haven't watched the current product as of late outside of pay-per-views. Charlotte gets put into Rhea's prison lock. Then she gets onto the top ropes and flips Charlotte, or, sorry, Rhea out of there, and Rhea almost bumps into the referee, and then Flair ends up spearing Char or, yeah, ends up spearing Rhea afterwards after the near collision with the ref, and gets a near fall. But then one thing we kept seeing, because after both women are trading blows, like, being like, come on, hit me, hit me, hit me, Charlotte hits a big boot on Rhea, and I lost count how many times she was hitting the big boot on Rhea during this whole match. Rhea gets to the ropes very quickly afterwards, because Charlotte locks in the figure four, but, so... Rhea quickly gets to the ropes in order to avoid the figure eight because she knows that would have been it. Both women go to the corner, trading blows, 
and then Shirley gets dropped face first onto the top of the corner post, knocking her dead. Then Charlotte, then Rhea gets up there, Avalanche riptide, and Rhea Ripley wins to become the new SmackDown Women's Champion. And Charlotte's selling it like she's on the floor against the apron, smiling, clapping. She's like, yeah. In reality, she's probably thinking, ha, 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 I'm going to win this title back very soon. Just you watch. Because, I mean, it's Charlotte Flair of all people. Now, after this, Snoop Dogg and the Miz come back to the ring, and they're announcing the attendance for the show. It's over 80,000 people. And Snoop Dogg's like, hey, you know what would make this better if you had a match tonight, Miz? And out comes Pat McAfee, because he's taking a break from promoting his antivirus software. And he's challenging The Miz to an impromptu match. And The Miz is like, oh, I'm a host, but I can't make matches. And then McAfee says, hey, Miz, your tiny balls are showing. And starts a tiny balls chant. Why? And then Snoop Dogg decides, hey, since I'm also a host and, like, I'm an OG or whatever the fuck he was saying, I'm going to book an impromptu match because we got a referee here. So now we've got The Miz versus Pat McAfee. But then the stupid thing we heard on commentary right before this happened, Cole was claiming that himself and Pat McAfee are the only announcers that are undefeated at WrestleMania. Did you forget about the fact that Pat McAfee lost an official match to Vince McMahon last year after taking a football to the to his body right after he defeated Austin Theory? Did you forget that? I know we're trying to claim that Vince McMahon does not exist anymore and everything because of the shit he's done, but a loss is still a loss. Alright? You... Michael Cole are one and all WrestleMania, which is stupid to say you're undefeated with only when you only had one match. But technically, McAfee is not undefeated. Plain and simple. So this impromptu match happens, does not last long, because for some reason you have this dude named George Kittle. I don't know who he is because I don't watch football. He's in the front row, he's getting involved in the match. McAfee like even does a diving senton off the top rope to the Miz on the outside, and of course the Miz, he doesn't catch him because the Miz couldn't catch a cold. They get back to the ring, running punt kick to The Miz, kind of like a football, and McAfee wins. Okay, now we can get on to the main event. The Usos, defending the WWE Undisputed Tag Team Championships against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Long build to all this, with Sami Zayn and the whole bloodline finally betraying them, himself and Kevin Owens finally making up, and we have this big tag match in hopes of crumbling the bloodline. I mean, the Usos, they had this entrance with this guy, Lil Uzi Vert, or whatever his name is. I gotta ask this, what is with WWE constantly bringing in these people thing, saying that, hey, these people are celebrities, and they're people I've never heard of? It's like, oh, here's Becky G doing the National Anthem. I'm like, who? Then you have Lil Uzi Vert, who's like doing this part of his song for the Usos entrance. Like, oh, he's a multi, he's a recording artist. I'm like, again, Who? I don't know who these people are that you keep inviting. These people are celebrities, yet I've never heard of them before they come out for the announcement. Ever. I mean, I get it. I'm almost 31 and everything. I've known more stuff about the 90s than today, but still. Bring people who I recognize, please. Anyway. So, you start off the match. They did the right thing, starting off for action between Sami Zayn and Jay, because that's where a lot of the story has been involved, involving all four of these men. The Usos start really constantly isolating Sammy. Owens gets in. He's running amok on the Usos when he gets tagged in. Owens even avoids a corner hip attack, kind of like what Omaga used to do by Jimmy. And then he, in return, does a cross chop to Jimmy and then corner cannonball. And Sammy is stopping Jay from attacking Kevin Owens because he grabbed Jay on the apron and dropped him with the apron brain buster. 
that was a pretty nasty landing. And Owens even gets a swanton bomb on a Jimmy near fall. Then Sammy tries taking a page out of the Usos book and hits an Usos splash on a Jimmy when he gets tagged in. Still not enough. Then we see a move that once again is getting overdone. The super kick. The super kick in this match is like a big boot in a Charlotte Flair match. We're seeing it too much. Because again, it's just super kick, super kick, super kick. They're just overdoing it on Sammy and Kevin, especially on Sammy, to the point where he's struggling to even stand up anymore, yet they still can't put him away. Well, then the Usos try to go for the one and done, the 1D, but Owen stops it, thank fuck. Then the Usos start fighting with Jim, with Kevin, Kevin Owens over on the announce table. They get on the Spanish announce table and drop him with the double spine buster through the English announce table. And I don't get why they had to really put them together, the Spanish announce table again, after it was wrecked earlier by Logan Paul, but... It's whatever. So the Usos back in the ring. One D to Sami Zayn. And Sami somehow survives and kicks out. Which I think they're saying was the only time anybody's ever survived that tag team move by the Usos. Then Jay, he gets his own Huluva kick to Sami. He's like, hey, you're going to steal a move from us, motherfucker? I'm going to do the same thing to you. And Sami's struggling to even stand in the corner. And out of instinct, grabs Jay, explorer into the corner. Tags back in Owens. Papa power bombs to both of the Usos. A Huva kick by Sammy over to onto Jimmy. Stunner onto Jay by Kevin Owens gets, gets in your fall. Then both tag teams, they're in each other's faces like, let's go motherfuckers, let's end this. Hockey fight's going on. Jimmy super kicks Sammy. Kevin super kicks both Usos, but then they start having more of a super kick party again on both Kevin and Sammy. And then Owens gets hit with a stereo Uso splash, even though Jay missed a little bit. And still, Owens is not put away either. Then you get to the ending. Sammy takes Jimmy, throws him over the announce table, Spanish announce table, and then Kevin stops Jay from attacking him and gets a spinning, or uh, spinning slash twisting superplex, whatever correct terminology is for that. Sammy gets tagged in. It's just him and Jay. Three Haluva kicks in a row. With the, after the first two, like Jay's body, he's just unconscious, and Sammy's just holding his body and looking at him, kind of like what he did with. Kevin Owens in that payback match or whatever they had all those years ago. But he just puts him back in the corner, keeps hitting him with a little kicks until he hits all three. And then drops Jay. Jimmy tries getting involved. Nope. Stunner. And like I said, after that third Huluva kick, Sammy pins Jay. And we got new tag team champions. So finally, the story of Sammy and Kevin finally is done. I mean, now... They're finally tag team champions. Like, neither of them had held tag team titles at all during their entire time in WWE. They now they're tag team champions together? I mean, we'll have to see with how Night 2 goes if it's really going to be the end of the bloodline, depending on how it works for the main event. But, man, like I said, this was fucking intense. So, overall with this show, I do like how Night 1 turned out. Like I said, the US title match, it was a fine start. And I got to keep scrolling back to my notes because my memory draws blank the fetal four-way tag team match it was also pretty good even though it was just more of a spot match to try to hype up the crowd and all that shit and one thing i almost forgot with that u.s title match that we saw that was probably the most positively vocal reaction cena's gotten out of a crowd in years like holy cow they it was totally pro cena this whole time uh seth rollins logan paul Honestly, it was better than it had any right to be. Great match. Women's tag match was pretty good as well. Ray Dominic, 
told a great story, great payoff there. Hope Again, who knows if that's going to be the end of it. Charlotte and Rhea, I think I could probably say was a match of the night. Like, they wasn't too much of repetitive with the moves and everything outside of Charlotte's constant big booting. Pat McAfee, Miz, didn't care. It was just impromptu, whatever. And the main event, also great, but they need to ease up on the super kicks. Again, this is why the super kick gets the reputation that it does today, saying that the move means nothing, because it's overdone. I mean, I'll ask count how many times it was done. If I had to take a shot for every super kick that was done in this main event, I'd be dead of alcohol poisoning. Guaranteed. So... If I had to give night one a grade, I'd probably have to say around a B, B, B minus-ish. I mean, like I said, this was a great start. I mean, I'm glad that they're, I know people are torn about like this whole two-night thing. For me, I enjoy it more than one long-ass show like we saw with WrestleMania 35. I mean, people complain about Raw being too long. Imagine if you had to watch all both nights combined into one night for a show like this. You'd get exhausted and complain that this show is too long, too. I mean, I'm glad that we have two nights of this, because easier to try to digest this all. So anyway, let me know you all thought in the comment section below of WrestleMania 39 Night 1. And hopefully Night 2 is going to be worth it. We'll have to see. Like I said, I'm going to have to catch the replay when it eventually comes back, because like I said, I can't watch the show life due to work. Damn it. So anyway, hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please remember to leave a like, subscribe with the bell turned on if you're listening to this on YouTube, or follow if you're listening to this on any other service that this podcast is available on. And I'll catch you all in the next episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Like, comment, subscribe. Peace out, and good day, everybody.